0: And five, and four, and three, and when I'm on the mic, the suckers run.
1: What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify, and check out our website at talklouderpodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave Glessner along with my co-host Jason McMaster. And I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but our guest today, <laughs> our guest today, uh, is a former member of ACDC.
0: You, you seem to be glowing a little bit, Dave.
1: I'm pretty excited. I mean, uh, we've got Simon Wright on the show today. Simon, of course, spent uh, a number of years with ACDC playing drums. He did three albums with ACDC. And uh, that's just one aspect of his career. He's done a lot of other great work with a lot of other big names. And we'll talk about that. But uh, I'm just thrilled that we've got a guy on the show who was in ACDC. That's pretty amazing.
0: So uh i i've come to know simon just a little bit over the years i met him when he first uh started working with rhino bucket right and um you know broken teeth did some shows with rhino bucket of course and and you know you're like holy shit that's simon Wright, you know the next thing you know he's you know hanging out with you and he's chatting and he's you know patting you on the back and it's like what that's Simon Wright. It's part of my childhood kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, he's one of the guys, I've come to know him enough to be able to say this. He's kind of just one of those guys who's living his life and life is loving him back. <laughs> yeah. Because he joined ACDC at 19 or 20 years old. Crazy. Let that soak in for a second. Yeah. Um, he's an Englishman. And he's a gentleman, and uh, you're going to soon find out that you have records that he plays drums on that you didn't know that he's the drummer on. We're talking, uh, he's worked with Jeff Tate of Queensryche, Pat Travers, Ronnie James Dio, and of course the great ACDC. UFO. UFO, thank you Dave. and um, Rhino Bucket. Rhino bucket, and there's probably more that he's just keeping in his pocket because he's just that kind of a humble guy. And without further ado, I just want to welcome Mr. Simon Wright to the Talk Louder podcast.
1: Simon, how are you? Thanks for being with us.
2: Hi, Dave. Hi, Jason. Nice to be here.
1: Our pleasure. Yeah, it's, uh, an,
0: it's an honor. Big honor.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's not every day we get to say we have a former member of ACDC on our on our podcast. So, thank you for joining us. We'll touch on a lot of that and a bunch of your other stuff as well because we want to bring people up to date with what you're currently doing, as well as all of your past accolades.
0: Let's do that first. What do you, what do you, what do you have going on in these strange new times? What do you got going on right now, current?
2: Oh, it's um, well, at the beginning of this year, I, I, uh. I was asked by some friends to do one was an album by a band called heaven and earth. Uh, my friend, Stuart Smith has had that band for quite a while. Um, and there was a bit of a shakeup in the band and they, he'd gotten himself a new singer and, uh, he asked me to play drums on it. So I did that. And then that's come out since, okay. since then. Um, and it's available on frontiers records. Oh, cool. So. Yeah, what, and then, what style? It, what style is that? It's probably safe to say it's like classic rock in oh, the kind oh. of a bluesy, rainbow kind of way. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But it's it's pretty good. It turned out good. And then about three weeks after that, my friend uh, Kevin Gucci, he has a band called of Gods and Monsters, and he asked me to do that album as well. So you um, still mixing it? He's, that he's one.
0: a he's a Texan, isn't he? Yes, sir. Yes. Kevin yeah, he fronted Omen for a second.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin's yeah.
2: A good, good guy, man. Good people, good guy. Yes. yes, absolutely. So we're still mixing that one, and hopefully it'll be out, um, you know, before the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see.
0: Excellent, and and so that's called uh, Gods and Monsters. Of gods and monsters, yeah. And the yeah. and the other project yeah. is called Heaven and Earth.
2: Yes, and the album is called Five. It's like a V.
0: Cool. Yeah.
2: Roman numeral.
0: Wow, so that's, uh, you're you're fairly busy, actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was a a little bit of a busy period, you know, after a whole desert of nothing. But, uh, well, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to club, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it, you know there's talk of some shows with those two bands, but um, my main uh, 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 um, thing is Dio returns, mm-hmm. um, which which is being organised for next year. So, you know, and that is either going to be with the hologram or or, or without. I'm not 100 percent sure at the moment, but it's mm-hmm. it's still going to be us celebrating Ronnie's. Um, Ronnie's music and his legacy and yes, what we've been doing for quite some time now. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. I want to, I want to just go, not, not that it has to have be any timeline here. Cause we're just having a, a conversation over coffee, if you will. I, I, uh, I want you to, to run through, uh, the records that you recorded with, with Ronnie, if you don't mind, What which records are you on the Dio stuff?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, the first one was um, after I left ACDC, the first album I did with him was called Lock Up the Wolves. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was back in the 90s. That's when I started with him and stuff. Okay. Um, the second one, uh, then I he went back to Black Sabbath. So there was a a, a period in there where, I, where he was doing other stuff. And then I rejoined in 98. We did the album... Um, oh my God, uh, uh, no, it was in 2000, Magica. So oh, it's Lock Up yeah. Ball, Magica, um, Killing the Dragon, Master of the Moon. Oh. And in between all that were, were two live uh, DVDs and CDs. One was done in New York City and one was done in, in London, um, which turned out pretty good. So, yeah. yeah, all in all, I was there about, Probably fourteen years or something. Yeah, you know, now stuff. So, it was a um, great time.
0: How uh, how did the lineup change, if any, between those records? It had to probably change a little bit. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. Yes, it, it did. Yes, I mean, uh, as
0: far as guitar players, bass players, keyboardists, right?
2: Yeah, there were three three bass players.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There were three guitar players. Oh, they're all changed um the keyboard player was scott warren the whole time okay um yeah i mean i I was looking enough to play with uh with jimmy bain who did Mm -hmm. the magicka album with jimmy and stuff great bass player um and before that there was a guy called when i first joined there was a bass player called teddy cook from from long island Mm -hmm. He was a cool guy um after that there was another guy called chuck garrick who's since been with alice cooper for so many years now
0: yeah chuck is chuck is a fantastical personality and monster monster uh, singer player
2: he's a great he's got a great stage presence too he's
0: really cool he's ominous yeah
2: yeah yes and and then for a little while after that uh, we, we we had uh it was close to the end before Ronnie passed away. We had Rudy Sarzo on bass, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. Sure. You know, he's my brother. So it's, that was an amazing time. And then guitar players. It was when I first joined up back, it was, uh, but well, when I first got the gig, it was Rowan Robertson. Correct. You know, young lad who could he was play.
0: He was a kid. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He was only 17. Yeah. Was turning 18. Um, and then moving on, that was when I rejoined again in ninety-eight, it was uh Tracy G. Then after him, it was uh uh I've gotta get this right. It wasn't Craig, no, it was Doug Aldridge. Oh okay. yeah. Jimmy found Doug Aldridge. We we oh no, we we used Craig was in the band, but he has some family issues or something. It's all okay. coming. you know what bands are like. Oh, oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. <laughs> Well, especially when it when it's when it's a bit spotted like that, uh, as far as when you're going to make a record and work, yeah, I mean, I can understand. Yeah, everyone's availability—you have to a lot of you know fans don't they don't think like it's it's a juggle of calendar days and times and right, so
2: it it can be, yeah. I mean, and it's so it's a lot of times it's through no fault of your own. It's just you know people have circumstances and. They have things going on and um, and a lot of the the times with with Dio, it, it wasn't about it wasn't over arguments it was just like you know like maybe family issues or health issues and stuff there were never mm-hmm. any falling outs no big fights or anything yeah. you know
1: yeah
2: um doug moved on to playing white snake yes you know that was a while ago back um Jimmy Bain, Jimmy just kind of uh didn't show up one day it was just we he, he like, where's jimmy i don't know where he is
0: well so and it's strange you know
2: yeah
0: the the jimmy thing real quick he's um he's legend yeah yeah and um you know it yeah. was it was terrible how he he passed he was on one of the cruises one of the monsters or cruises or something and yeah. fell fell ill and didn't didn't come home necessarily well, out, out at sea kind of
2: i know it's awful I mean, what do you do for the rest of the cruise you know it's awful i saw i actually ran into him uh, all, we were at an event probably a couple of weeks before that and um he didn't look very he didn't look very well um mm. you know jimmy liked to hit things pretty hard as 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 we all know i think but he didn't look that good, and uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just awful. I mean, I saw him back in like '77 when he was with Rainbow with Cozy and Richie and Ronnie, you know. Yeah. Uh, now I'm playing yeah. in a band. Like yeah. this is brilliant. You know, I love <laughs> bass playing. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm playing a van with him, you know. Yeah. Uh, and And uh, he, well, he came, he came back into Do, and he did. The, he'd been doing the 12-step program and, I, and doing everything the right way. Yeah. Uh, he Came in and he was great. You know, he worked a treat, playing his ass off. Yep. Uh, did fall by the wayside a little bit, but uh, yeah. I really miss him. We we had a lot in common, just be you know him being Scottish, me being English and stuff. So yeah. it, it was a good time.
0: Well, his uh, his tone uh, is undeniable. He, I like his style. He plays with a pick. Uh, you you know it's him when you hear it. Just like a lot of uh, a lot of legendary players, you know it's them from the first note when you yep. think about the mix on uh, as far back as of course holy diver when you as soon as you hear that that plug and chug you you know that's jimmy right away and the way those records are mixed you know it's jimmy too cuz you can you can he can fucking hear him yeah
2: it, oh no he he was one of those it, it, a very very b- british or scottish bass player you know just me and potatoes adding in some really subtle cool yes. stuff but keeping it solid as as yes. all hell.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I, yeah, he he you and he he uh you guys worked very well together. And yeah. um, it's I think we did. Obvious. Yeah. What?
1: Well, what was, it, what was it like working with, with Ronnie all those years? I mean, how, how was he as a personality and as a creative uh, influence? And just tell us a little bit about what it was like to be in the same room with him and creating music. And and then, you know, even outside of the studio, just on a social level, what, what was he like? It
2: was, it was great. I mean, he it, 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 it was everything, you know, I mean, because, you know, he was such a smart guy. He, he was such a funny guy as well. Um, but, you know, it, it soon became apparent when I was first working with him that he didn't take any bullshit, you know. I mean, if you were in a studio with him, you know, you better... If if you're going to suggest something, it better be a damn good idea, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Just around with him, you know, um, which I loved. I thought, that, that's great. Let's get to the point here, you know, yeah. with it. Um, yeah, and I mean, it was there were some you know there were some uh, hard times as well you know he had a lot of stuff going on with uh, with his the, with respect to the band and all you know it, it was his band he had like you know 40 50 interviews a week i mean it, 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 there were times when he was absolutely pissed off and you can't blame him one bit you know i no. mean but uh i loved his perfectionism and he was it's a workaholic you know um and he was always thinking music he was always thinking about the set and writing the songs and changing them up and you know sometimes this was right before we were going to play he'd say no let's do that bit twice before we go into that you know and you're going what
0: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well he just really well,
2: kept you on your
0: toes what about um like when he was when he would start to write a song do you, you know, were you involved, how how involved were you in the process, um, whether it be uh, a lot of the time, all the time, some of the time when he was coming up with ideas? Was it, were you guys working as a band? Was it Ronnie and the, and the full band with you there sort of taking notes and writing maps and things like that? Or was it, would he bring in pretty much a finished piece or how did it give us a little scenario?
2: There's, 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 I wouldn't say all of it, all of the above, but and as far as being involved, I would say some of the time, you know, because I, it was mainly me and Craig, um, mm-hmm. who were, who were there. You know, he would be bouncing ideas off Craig and Craig. You know, that would give him the freedom to do that because Craig would be working the Pro Tools and stuff. Although Granny could work the Pro Tools as well. And my input would be, I'd be there um, creating the drum patterns and stuff because he always felt that it was important to get the the, the 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 style of of the beat, you know, and obviously the tempo right for the song he was writing. He wanted to make it, you know, uh, but he could do that as well. But a lot of times he'd, he'd want my opinion, and I'd come in and because he he'd be programming the drum machine just very simply. Um, yeah. and, you know, he's not a drummer, you know, he, yeah. I mean, probably could have been. But the way that the drum machine was programmed, it was very on drummer like. It's like a guitar sometimes guitar players do that when yeah. they're, when they're, you know, doing the, the drum machine. So you have to make it into something else that's I, actually I playable. Feel, <laughs> I
0: feel. Yeah, of course. I feel like if you present a song idea, you know, whatever, a, a riff uh, with, with a verse and, and a chorus, if you will, to a drummer with, you know, just a just a kick snare, basic, simple, straight, no crashes or fills. Yeah. Sometimes the drummer is a bit disenchanted by what it is they're supposed to do. And I almost feel like just a basic click track that's not doesn't have, because, you know, you, I feel like the drums should be part of the riff, I feel like oh, yeah. when that thing is turning and pushing and pulling on ups and down beats, the drum, you know, the guitar riff, or even yeah. sometimes the vocal, the drums should follow the vocal sometimes. If there's a couple of rat a tat accented uh, lyric, lyrical yeah. accents, and sometimes the drums pushing with those accents yeah. makes, makes the song. It yeah. really becomes the hook of the song. So, yeah, I just wanted to ask you that because... As, as we know, there's not one way to do it. There's not one way to write a song. So No, no.
2: I, I mean, Ronnie was always, uh, we were always talking drums. I mean, and that was the great thing. I mean, he was always uh, asking me what I thought about this and let's change that little bit there, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was great, you know. It was a great uh, relationship that, that, that way, you know, talking you know- about the, the drums and that and getting them right.
1: Yeah. How did you how did you get that gig? Uh, obviously, you're well known at this point after your your stint with ACDC. But um, did you did you audition along with uh, hundreds of other people, or how did that happen?
2: It was just through a friend of a friend. My ex wife, uh, she's no longer with us, but uh, she knew Wendy and stuff, and they would have a chat. And they they kind of found out that Vinny wasn't interested anymore, so. Um, I went down and um, we did like a, a, re- a rehearsal it was just me it, you know there was, there was no big line of drummers out the door and yeah. uh, um, and it was a little little bit of a worrying time for Ronnie because he only had a, two or three weeks before he had the studio booked and they, they they couldn't cancel it they could have canceled it but it wasn't available for like another six months and they had a record to do so. Yeah. Um yeah, I you know, I I went down, we we played and went through some old stuff and some of the new stuff and everything and it, it just kinda clicked.
1: It's just
2: put a mouth, really.
1: How how was your approach to the drums different, if at all, uh from A C D C to Dio? Because I, I, I feel like Dio would offer you a little more freedom as far as fills and a little more complexity, yeah. maybe than 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 A C D C. So is that something you always had in your back pocket as a drummer just uh, all your life or is, or, or did, you, were, were there new challenges with, with joining Dio?
2: Well, I'm always learning, but I always wanted to, I, yeah, I guess I did have it in my back pocket. I mean, I was, you know, I, I, I needed to be somewhat more creative after, after leaving ACDC. That was, you know, one of the big reasons. Um, there's nothing against ACDC i've said this a thousand times i mean but you know the way that ronnie let Vinny work his drums on those albums and stuff that 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 really appealed to me that kind of wide open you know four bar drum fill going into you know back to the verse or something or you know just the freedom that, that was there I, I that really appealed to me so yeah
0: kind of I, seemed, kind so, of seemed uh, like kind of seemed like like vinnie it, it to, to an outsider looking in and just even hearing or watching Vinny do that, it's like, oh, that's like Vinny style. That's, it became a, It's something that seemed as a, to a fan or a, a drummer sort of like watching and learning as a style of Vinny's, but may or may not have just been like Ronnie suggesting or Vinny just taking an entire measure to do <laughs> to fill up.
2: Yeah, well, I've I've spoken to Vinny often about it, and he's saying, you know, sometimes I really overplay, and I'm like, really? <laughs> <I> <laughs> you think in a good way, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought so. so. Said, this led to a conversation with Ronnie about that, but that particular time, you know, when I first joined, and because I, I, I said, well, I, you know, I want to be, I want to play more, but I don't want to play, I don't want to play too much. Mm. I mean, some of the songs that I had to play that the Vinnie had uh, obviously recorded, um, I, I, I had to capture like the essence of some of those the, the fills he'd done, because I think they're really important to the song. You know, people are expecting to hear that, so yeah. I would do that. But I, I would kind of, when it came to our recording, I would just, I would add stuff in a little, you know, not too much, and yeah. You- but what I thought was kind of like just an, an, an introduction to what could be, you know, um, sort of thing. So, but it was really enjoyable just to break free a little bit, and you know, oh,
0: I I I call that <clears throat> I call that paying attention when the drummer's paying attention to what the song it needs to have. If you're playing someone else's bits and you're yeah. the, the new guy or whatever on certain material, yeah. It, You you said it right. You're paying attention to the things that what you, as well as just millions of fans, if you will, have memorized as part of that song. Those are those are uh, it's like a time machine. Those are moments in time that you know they from listening to the songs at home to the journey to the concert to tailgating in the parking lot, waiting for the doors to open, and then hearing that favorite song live. Whether yeah. it's Vinny or you, they need they need to hear that, and so I just yeah. call it paying attention. So good on you.
2: Yeah, it, it's also I think you know I got the utmost respect for those players too. So I think it's a bit of respect as well as, uh, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's I've been you, know, I, I've been Vinny Atwissy, Bill Ward, Cosy Powell, you name it. You,
0: know, like, yeah. Yeah. you sure have.
2: You just you just get going, and who am I going to be next? You
0: know, well, you're. Thing you're Andy simon my your man you're you're That's simon <laughs> you are simon so.
1: well i i think it's a i think it's awesome that you uh you moved on from acdc to dio obviously another legendary uh character in hard rock heavy metal and uh as you were talking earlier, you were sort of the anchor during a turbulent time when there was people coming and going, but you, you were always there holding down the beat. So there must've been some chemistry between you and Ronnie that, that kept you there for the length of time that you were there.
2: Yeah. I I do remember one, at one point, there was only me and Ronnie in the band. It was just like, what what are we doing?
1: (laughs) Well, well, is it, is, is it true?
0: Is it, Isn't it true that you lived in the, in the guest house?
1: Uh,
2: at Ronnie's? Yeah. He didn't have a guest house. He had a lot of, he had a lot of bedrooms up there. He had a big, big, Craig's a lot as well.
0: Okay. Uh, So, so you were part of the family, like literally living at Ronnie's house.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hmm. um, with, with, be the three of us sometimes you know we we're a bit like we we're talking earlier about the writing he had a studio downstairs so we all meet up at wow. some point in the day and yeah it, it was never strict you know um that
0: right. sounds yeah. like heavy metal, heavy metal summer camp at ronnie's house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy metal sleepover <laughs> yeah, i love right. it so much i
2: know wow. i've been up there for 13 years later i'm like oh okay this must be going well <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing that we, would not leave.
2: We did a lot of work on the house, too, which oh, was a, yeah. totally away from the music, which yeah. was great. I like doing the fixing walls and putting in irrigation and all sorts of stuff. Oh, so yeah. that was, yeah. oh
1: no! no wonder he kept you around.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, you play drums also? Oh, great! (laughs) (laughs)
2: Play drums again soon. Hey, hey, (laughs) hey, Wendy,
0: he keeps pretty good time with a hammer. I wonder if he can play drums (laughs) too. Yeah. (laughs) So I I, I want to
1: I want to go go backwards a bit from the from the Ronnie James Dio years um, and and talk about obviously ACDC. when uh, the first time I ever saw ACDC was the Fly on the Wall tour. And and I think Jason and I uh, discovered one time we were comparing notes and we both realized our first ACDC concert was the Fly on the Wall tour. So that means you were the first drummer I ever saw with ACDC. Mm-hmm. And um, I always thought it was astonishing that you got that gig and you were barely 20 years old, 1920 years old. Is that right?
2: Yes. Pretty young. They were all a lot older than me, um, but uh, you know they they kept an eye out on me and stuff. So, yeah, I got a I got a lot of I got a huge break very young.
0: Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Can you? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that you. I know that you've told the story a thousand times. You know, our our dear friend uh, Demetrius Bermudez said, you know, he'll tell you the story. Just ask him. Just he'll tell you the story. So, please tell us the story about kind of how that sort of like came about
2: okay this will be the thousand the, the thousandth and one time But
0: <laughs> well, we can thank Dimi for <laughs> this
2: <laughs> um, yeah I was, I'll was. i make it brief I mean I, yeah I get asked it a lot I mean it was I was living in London and a friend of mine saw an advertisement in the classified section of what they had back then were called music papers like sounds and and anyway, it said drummer wanted, if you don't hit hard, don't apply. So she said, she said, well, you do, don't you? And I went, Oh yeah, okay. Because I was really in I was on hiatus, you know, I'm like smoking a lot of pot, and I don't smoke pot anymore, but I used to. So I'm just hanging around in London and anyway, I answered the ad and I went down there and it was the drum tech and a drum kit and a PA and monitors. And he asked me, he was a Welsh guy. He said, can you play along to these three songs? And um, it was ZZ Top, Tosh, Zeppelin, Black Dog and Shoot a Thrill, ACDC. So I played them, finished. Um, and he said, oh, that was great. You know, we'll be in touch. And I went, uh, yeah, right, okay. Mm-hmm. So the phone goes about three hours later and it's him. And he said, can you come back tomorrow? And I said, you know, I've told this story a lot no, I can't come back because I haven't got any money. He said, don't worry, get yourself in the taxi and we'll take care of it. So I thought, oh, okay, they must be interested. Um, and it was a pretty fancy kind of rehearsal studio. It was expensive expensive to rehearse there. So I go back the next day and he meets me in the lobby and takes me down the corridor. And there are all these flight cases with ACDC on them. And I tapped him on the shoulder. I went, you're kidding, right? And he went, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. They <laughs> had no idea who it was, you right. know. Yeah. Um but the door opens and it's Angus and Mal and Cliff. Um Brian was uh, back in Florida, I later learned. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they were great. I mean, they were so unassuming, they were so unrock starish, you know. I mean, it was, hey, how you doing? You know, what do you know? So we ran through like Back in Black, all will call out Rosie, let it be Rock. We finished up and uh, they say, great, you know. So they sort of moved over and sat on this couch and started talking, you know. And I, I thought I'd better follow them, you know. But <laughs> I don't know. So uh, they started talking about touring and schedules and stuff. And I'm, it was weird because I'm thinking, should I leave now? It's it, this sounds kind of private, you know. Yeah. Um, so I asked, I tapped Mal and I said, "Does this mean I'm in the band?" And he said, "Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it?" <laughs>
1: <I'm> like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. oh that's so, beautiful
1: very formal
2: yeah great forward man no <laughs> airs and graces i mean and i couldn't you know as i said before i couldn't wait to get out of there and start making phone calls you know? uh, I bet. right
0: yeah well yeah. all of all of the uh, barely 20 years old yeah you're you're kind of yeah. got the energy for that so what yeah. so
1: so yeah you're you're barely twenty years old you get the gig you're 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 you go on tour with a c d c it's nothing but arenas what's the most difficult adjustment for you to make as you know a kid who's probably just been doing clubs yeah. and now you're you're jet setting around what's the yeah. most difficult adjustment for you
2: yeah that that was the difficult thing being away from i you know i mean i was at best i was away from home like uh three or four days i mean now i'm going away for like three or four months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. I'd never done, never really done that before. So it got a little bit, you know, kind of, I want to say, yeah, probably lonely, you know, you're like, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, obviously you see the guys at the show and at the bar afterwards, you know, and stuff and maybe at lunch or breakfast. But, yeah, it was being away somewhere else all the time. It was mm-hmm. weird to me. But I got used to it. I mean, you have
0: to, yeah. don't you? so yeah. so for just just for our listeners and everyone, this is so you're you're jumping into a leg of a tour for or was it the beginning of the actual flick of the switch tour and not fly on the wall is this correct
2: yeah I did that tour before fly on the wall flick of the switch but yeah so phil rudd, phil rudd had recorded the album, but I jumped in and right. And we and, injury, and we know you're in the this, video.
0: Yeah, we know this when yeah. we watch the video and we're going, Well, d- take no offense, but who's this guy?
1: Yeah. It's not <laughs> Phil, right. Because we know Phil played on the album, but you see the flick of the switch video and, yeah. and Simon's in in the video, so yeah, it it's makes sense prime, that you
2: like magic.
1: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's studio. So, so, here. so yeah. just to just to sort of summarize for our listeners, um, you you joined the band, you did the flick of the switch tour, and then the albums that you appeared on with ACDC are Fly on the Wall, Who Made Who, and Blow Up Your Video, right? That's
2: right. Yeah. Those
1: okay. those Yeah. So those when are is great that records. like mid eighties? Eighty five to eighty-eight or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think it was 83 and a half. I could be wrong. 83 and a half to uh, 88. Yeah.
0: Okay. That that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right to me because when you think about Flick, that's 83.
1: Yeah. 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 But what a, what a, what an accomplishment. What an honor to be able to say that you played on... I mean, it, you didn't just join a tour and help the band muddle through during a difficult time. You're actually recorded, documented on three ACDC albums. That's that's awesome. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, back
2: then, you know, you really didn't have a lot of time to think about it because some of the tours were, were, were really quite long and I'm not complaining, but you were just constantly you know kind of working and there were years there was they they like to take a year off here and there and stuff and all which um you know i i i i I thought was a bit too too long but you know it was like you know um it's just circumstances but yeah no you just didn't have time to think back then you were just doing it
1: so out of out of all the guys in acdc um which guy do you feel like you bonded the most with whose, whose personality was most in line with yours?
2: Well, I think I, I, I had a lot of respect for Malcolm, you know, I mean, as far as bonding, we were just, you know, guys on the road. I mean, it was, we all got along, but uh, to some extent, Um, but Malcolm struck me straight away as the, the dude, the guy, you know, this guy is quietly, but in charge. But could smash you over the head with a hammer any minute. No, <laughs> but but not with a hammer with his voice. You know what I mean? He was that that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. he was tough, fair, but you didn't want to mess with him. You know, and uh, he had a lot going on. You know, and it's such a shame he ended up getting that horrible fucking disease. So because he was such a clever man.
1: Yeah. You know? So yeah, exactly. I I uh I had the privilege of interviewing Malcolm one time and uh and, and oh, wow. he, he told me that you know as brothers as brothers do there was you know there was times when they'd get on each other's nerves and 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 big fight <laughs> did you were you ever witness to any of that uh any yeah. of that stuff
2: Yeah oh, only I saw a couple of things between them which are like just arguments that didn't last very long. But there was one time Malcolm was having a really hard time when we were on the road. Um, I can't remember which tour it was. I think it was, I can't remember which one. I don't want to say unless I'm right. But anyway, we were on the road and we ended up play. Uh, and Malcolm had started drinking a lot, you know, um, in, in his minivar and stuff. And he was having a really hard time um, I think it was with his his son had a, a medical problem, and he, he there were all these dates ahead, and he couldn't get out of it, you know, and he really wanted to be at home, and so he just started drinking, and he got he was really I've never seen him drunk right on stage, but this one show he was just absolutely shit faced, and he's like hanging off the symbols and pulling the symbols off, you know, the stands and stuff. And it was just fucking bizarre. I'd never seen anything like it, you know. And I felt for him, you know, because I, 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 you know, we kind of knew what was going on with it. But we finished the show, and there were these stairs going down. It was one of these uh, stages that they erect yeah, outdoor. Mm-hmm. And at, I was at the top of the stairs with Cliff, and that, that Malcolm and Angus were at the bottom, just in this huge ball of fists and legs and stuff fighting the fuck out of each other, <laughs> and. uh I was. We were all like, "What the? What is going on here?" You know. It's like, yeah. And then uh, it all just kind of came out. You know. Afterwards, um, he came in and said, "I can't do this anymore." Um, and uh, he went home and stuff, and he got well, and he got better, and his son got better, thankfully. And uh, to carry on, we brought in Stevie Young, his nephew, and uh, Stevie came in and did a cracking job.
0: Yeah. It was, it was, I it, am it, a. a I'm. I'm a I saw huge, that huge, fan of uh, Stevie's band when he was a kid, the Starfighters.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Starfighters. Yeah,
0: I, I have a couple of Starfighters records that I I love. That kind of, well, you know that I like that stuff: bluesy, four on the floor, simple, yeah. you know, crazy cat yowling vocals, and 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 uh, what? So so to be. Again, I'm, I hate to make you like Rolodex jam your memory files here. Uh, I'll <laughs> try. What, what tour? What tour was this that Malcolm? The the first time Stevie filled in from oh. was when? Blow yes,
1: video.
2: Right now, yeah, it was blown
0: your video. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I saw that tour and I remember, I remember being as a fan, I was a little disappointed that Malcolm wasn't on stage, but I I also was aware of why he wasn't on stage. So I Mm. I could appreciate that he was taking care of himself. And I thought it was great that they bring in a family member and, and Stevie did a great job. So, uh, but yeah, I I distinctly remember that because I was at that show and I knew that Malcolm wasn't on stage, but.
2: Yeah. Steve's, you know, it's with it's with Malcolm's blessing the whole thing. There's no yeah. one else, no one else. You
1: know, yeah, yeah.
2: And he actually played a lot like uh, he, he he played like a little bit like Mal. I mean, it was it was cool that way. You know, there's no messing around; just hammering it down. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It so out of the uh, out of the three albums you did with ACDC, uh, and and Who Made Who is is uh, is a greatest hits compilation of sorts. So. So you're yeah. you're really only on about three or four songs on that album, is that correct?
2: Yeah, they were songs that we recorded because that album was associated with that movie, Maximum Overdrive.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So we we they uh, they wrote some songs for the movie, like Who Made Who was in it, um, and then there was some other that were uh, tracks that were just kind of instrumental because they went with the movie, the background. Music. Right. Um yeah, I was kind of hoping for an you know for an original album again. I, I mean, but I really didn't have anything to do with that side of things, you know.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: So it ended up being that, yeah.
1: So oh. out of the out of the three albums you did with ACDC, which one are, are you most proud of uh performance wise as far as your drumming?
2: I'd like to think maybe block your video. Um it, it's really surprising when you 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 know you meet people and you're at shows and that wanna to talk to you about your time with that band and stuff and stuff. So, you know, you get people who come up and who are just freaking out about Fly On The Wall, what i the, the, their favorite album, you know, upload your video and stuff. And because I think, you know, when a band has such a big catalog of music and all, and you've got such a big table of contents to choose from, I think people do go back because when those albums kept, came out, they'd had so much success with like back in black and for those about to rock, but it, it's hard to keep that going. Oh, you know, sure. you know what I mean? It's, it's not impossible. You can't have a back in black every single time you
1: right. release an yeah. album. Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, so in that respect, I think um, a lot of people kind of take a look back at those albums that, uh, like you are flying the wall and who made yeah. who and pop your video and have another look at it. You know, it's, it's good. Yeah.
1: So, right. what's your favorite AC/DC album to feature Phil as a? Fan? Oh, that's always been Power Age. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yes, everyone yeah. says Power Age, and we're all in agreement. agreement there.
2: There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although yeah. me and George DeLevo argue a lot because he's let that be rocking on Power Age. Okay. So yeah uh, Yeah. But you know, what's to argue about? They're both brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's true. right. Let's talk about the, and I feel like we're, we, we talked about this uh, in your DO years, but um, let's talk about writing process for, um, if not all, one, at least one uh, writing uh, session for an ACDC record.
2: Well, that would be Malcolm and Angus would, would, would come in. Um, and they'd have like a rough idea down. Um, I, I do remember, and it's no disrespect to Angus, but I, I remember Malcolm's demos, as it were, were a little bit more organized, you know, and some of some Angus's were a little bit, you kind of had to listen and figure what he was thinking because he would play drums to them as well. Well, the trouble is, it, it, you know, he like, he used to like Keith Moon, so he'd be playing all over the thing, you know, uh, so yeah. you were trying to hear the riff, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah no it, it, it there were some great ideas in there from both of them i mean uh and then other times it it, it would be just sitting in the rehearsal studio and they'd be just you know see what came out you know and mm. there's a couple of three you know three or four songs ended up coming out that way magic um, cuz they did listen to you you know i mean there's not much there's not much leeway really with the drums you know um it's more yeah. or less of like am I playing four on the floor? Am I just playing straight or am I, when am I coming in? Am I doing crashes? You know, it was that kind of thing for me, but you know, it, it, it was still about the feel of the song. You know, we'd start jamming it and it, it was all about the feel of it. You know, yeah. not so much the, 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 content of the drums. We all know ACDC music anyway, straight ahead. So that's, yeah. that's what I'd, re- you know, uh, a songwriting well, situation
0: I've, I've always thought that every everything has its place yeah and it's, you know not just ACDC but let, let's let talk about ACDC it, and well you know fuck it you can actually say especially ACDC in this uh, situation because um, everybody thinks that it's so simple and you know, these a lot of musos think you know, they oh a c d z i Yeah uh, that's yeah. easy to play. It's three chord rock. Okay, well, why are you playing it wrong then? You know, yeah. kind of a thing. So everything has its place. And if yeah. one thing, a kick drum pattern, a, a note on the guitar, uh bass too busy, yeah, whatever it is. If if that one little thing is out of place, you fucked it yeah. up. Yeah, that's and it's, wrong.
2: It's the same when you when you when you're songwriting too. I mean, you can take a you know like a a, a downstroke and turn it to an upstroke, and it mm-hmm. just changes everything.
0: That's right. You know,
2: it, it's the simple, and it's so hard to write songs that, that simple. You know, with a hook and a catchy line, mm-hmm. it is not easy. Everything's been done. You know, it's like wow. Well, well you see. So- it's,
0: it's amazing such an institution it's such an institution you could say the same about the Ramones yeah it's three okay I'll just say it again it's three chord rock and roll a lot of people think it's easy it's a little quick sometimes on the hi-hat work but whatever <laughs> it is yeah it's an institution everything has its place and if this one thing is out of whack it doesn't sound like the band anymore it doesn't sound like ACDC it's like yeah. you were you said yourself Simon is like when to come in when do we want to put the push note you know the upbeat when do we want to turn when does the vocal come in yeah when does the bass come in? because there's a lot of songs that well at least a few i can think of where i feel like the song map is fairly identical where there's no bass until the chorus right you know such as highway or you know you go rolling stones Honky, you shook me exactly. My point. Uh, I was going to say it's almost the same model as Rolling Stones' Honky Tonk Woman. There's no bass except for the chorus. A lot of people are not listening like that. They just want to groove and feel the song. They're not. They don't care when the drums come in or when the bass comes in or whatever until they have to learn how to play it.
2: Yeah. When I was when I was learning, I I I kind of. It sounds stupid, but I kind of had an epiphany. I was. I was trying to figure back in black and I'm going, okay. You know, that's pretty straightforward.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the, the, it increases in tempo when it gets to the chorus to nearly twice the speed as it does in the in the verse. That's yeah. the whole thing behind it. It's, and it's the same with You Shook Me. You know, that song starts off with one tempo. And by the time you get to the chorus, it's nearly doubled. So it's all about like i was saying earlier you know when they you a songwriter it's finding the work the groove yeah for the song. it's it's not it's not written out somewhere it's just a feeling it's like a, an energy so that you have do, to put in do
0: you do you know for certain if on the older material that that you know Angus and Mal were were writing or even thinking about making fill or using and, and have you used on an ACDC record in the studio, a click track. Are you guys, or re- are, are not at all, because of what you're saying? Like, you know, the tempo's rising yeah. when you get into the chorus and then pulled back slightly for the verse, right?
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I don't know if Phil used a click track. Um, maybe someone can write in and let us know. I have no idea. Yeah, that's. But, a... but I did. I did.
0: Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good, um, and, and just for listeners. Wait a minute!
2: No, I didn't. I didn't use a click track for fly for the album "Fly on the Wall," but I for fl- did for "They Do." Okay, yeah,
0: okay. and for
2: broader your video, um, and that was fine.
0: <coughs> they were they but, were okay with that.
2: Yeah, I yeah, mean, and so was I. It was kind of like you know, because um, technology was changing, like we all know. It. We were mm-hmm. all, you know, it's all going to digital. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the way that those producers wanted to work. So I was fine with it. No problem. Yeah. But I don't know if Phil did it. I, I doubt it the way that those songs pick up and drop back down again.
0: That's what, that's what made me want to ask just to get your opinion or if there's any uh, common knowledge yeah. behind it. Because when you think about um, again, what you said about, you know, moving, moving to the buildup into the chorus uh, and then back down again, how the tempo's, you know, like really fluctuating. Um, the yeah. listener may or may not even even know that that's technically what's happening. it's no. na- It's natural.
2: That's when you know you've got it right.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> when no right. one can tell, right.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 okay yes. this actual flow of the song, and it
1: because should, should if, be like that.
0: If the yeah. tempo is that different, and you know it because you're technically involved... Uh, the I, the, li- the listener is either swaying or dancing or headbanging or doing whatever the hell people like to do when the, with ACDC on because uh, that, that could be anything um, I feel I, like that leaning forward is natural and it's almost like I think ACDC is one of the bands that sort of like wrote that in the history books about how it's the feel of the song Without changing the tempo, and if there were or was, a, a, you know, a, a tick-tock, tick, a metronome going, a click track in your headphones while you're recording that, being able to play behind that click, because yeah. it's a robot. It doesn't yeah. know. It's an inanimate, it's a robot. It doesn't know to be, so the human error on purpose kind of thing, to yeah. be able to play just under it and then yeah. right and then just above it and be able to pull back into it when the second verse comes and settles yeah that is magical that is a great the sign of a great musician that can play that doesn't matter yeah. what instrument it is
2: you know I, I mean i must admit i when i first started using the click track it was it was awkward and odd but i i figured it out and i've used it so many times that i i have learned how to do what you are saying i mean mm-hmm. You, you kind of just lay back off the clip. You can hear it, and you you can you can hear you're behind a little bit, but you're not you're behind in time. Yes. So, and then you got to kick it up the ass a bit, and you get on top of that click, and you're on mm-hmm. ahead of it a little. Mm-hmm. But it's all good because yes. it's in time, you know that. And it just just through going and playing with it so many times that you you kind of get to know how to do that. do yeah. Not worry I- much about the click.
0: I call that making friends with the metronome.
2: Engineers love it. Yes, <laughs> they do.
0: Especially in the digital world.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I want I wanted
1: to ask you uh Simon so at the time that you're in ACDC videos are a, are a big part of promoting an album, uh promoting a band, etc. So yeah. you are in the band during a time frame when uh and you're featured in a number of videos of course during that time i i just i never i just don't see acdc as a video kind of band so tell me tell me what that process was like when you're filming a video it it seems like a necessary evil and i can just imagine the acdc guys going oh god not this again you know yeah
2: no they were they, they were a bit like that i mean they were but they they hooked up with this guy called David Mallet, and they needed the right kind of director. And he came up with some great ideas, you know, like all the Anguses, um, on the video. I think it was heat seeker and who made who. Yeah. With all the Anguses in the background there and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it was just such a, such a great idea for, for that band, because that's the way the band were. It was all about it. You know, it, it you, you have Angus in the front there, and that—that's what the band's about. And then their album covers are just like black with ACDC dc written on it. It's gold. It's got a cannon on it. You know, it's simple. It's you know, yeah. flicking a bitch, He's pulling a switch. I mean, mm-hmm. and these videos, I felt, really represented what the album covers were, were 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 coming out were like. You know, it was just direct in your face. It's Angus and the band. And except it's a lot of Anguses you know? mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I think that helped a lot because, yeah, it was kind of like, oh, not another video, you know, but they were fun to do. I mean, like I say, this director David Mallet kept things moving along great, you know, um, and uh, it, it, it worked, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, because they ACDC seems like such a blue-collar working-class band, and the whole Hollywood, spot, you know, all that stuff just sounds like the the absolute opposite of what they got into this for. <laughs> and uh, I can just imagine it. it. It was, you
2: know, it was a little weird at first, because, you know, I had been in, in, in smaller bands and stuff, and it was a little bit like that, you know. The, the girls, come on back, you know, all this. And, but they were just... You know, there there were girls too, don't get me wrong. But it was more of a smaller unit, you know, with a big unit around it. it you know, I mean the, the road crew was like 40 people. I mean, I didn't even know what they were, yeah. you know, supposed just, you know, usually this three or four guys or whatever. And and uh, no, it was a very kind of like uh like a club type of
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of members to that club and you got to be one of them. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I
1: yeah.
2: yeah. I appreciate it. I I still uh, you know. Yeah. Whenever I asked about it, I it, it's it was a great honor and a great privilege to be involved.
0: Well, we we first met you and I um, when you were working with Rhino Bucket and oh, yeah. uh you you made uh, which records? Which Rhino Bucket records are you on? Remind me again. Pain.
2: Well, the first one I did called Pain. Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it all kind of fell apart, and okay. they started up again. George got it going again, and uh, asked me to come in, and I did an album called Hardest Town. That's right. And I think that's all I did with them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, they did uh, a re-release of Pain with other with extra tracks on it. But well, that's mm-hmm. about
0: it. Okay. Okay. Well, that was kind of a no-brainer. Um, did you know George and those guys? Uh, you know, uh, wait, wait—is it was Brian Forsyth on Pain? No, it was, was uh, still,
2: still Greg. It was still Greg.
0: Yeah. Uh, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Greg Fields. Greg Fiddleman. Um, the great uh, thing. Awful proud uh, to call him friend, uh, being yeah. that he's with his successes. Um, yeah. So uh, how did that, you end up in Rhino Bucket? How did? How did yeah, that's yeah. where I was going with. Yeah. How do you yeah. transition
1: from yeah. AC? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. You went from A, you went from ACDC to DO and then Rhino Bucket. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that, it was. Um,
1: so how did that happen?
2: Ronnie got an offer to go back to Black Sabbath when they were mm-hmm. doing the, the Humanizer album okay. and tour, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of put the band on hold. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was floating around, and uh, it was through a, a, a friend of my, again, my ex-wife's, um, and she said, uh, there's this great band who need a drummer. And uh, we were... F- floating around. Oh, my mother and father were over from England, so we all they wanted to meet up, so there's me and my mom and dad and George and Greg and Reeve Wow. In this diner, and family, we got, all got on really great together I mean, you know George, he's a sweetheart he's Oh a, yeah. Really smart guy too you know what I mean, but we all just got along really, really well and, and the, uh, they, they left the album with me, the first one and I thought this is really good stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. it's got, obviously he's got the DC thing going on, but sure. kind of has its own its own life about it too. The way they they they, they kind of keep them the songs theirs as well, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of DC risk, but anyway, yeah, it was just through a friend of a friend, and uh, they were due to start recording a new album, and we did that, and it was, it was all good.
0: That's great. Yeah. I want to throw a, a wild card in here. I I missed this event but and I can't even say what year it was somewhere in the mid 2000s and there's probably a lot of things like this that a lot of us don't realize or know or even remember for whatever reason but you I swear someone told me they wit- they, they witnessed they went to up there hey I'm going to go see Pat Travers tonight he's playing at a club downtown Austin called Room Seven Ten. Yeah. And and then the next day I, I was like, Hey, how was that Pat Travers gig? Dude, Simon Wright was on drums, and I'm like, What? Is that true? You did the tour with Pat Travers?
2: Yeah, I jumped at the chance. I mean yeah. Pat Travers, right? Yeah. I mean that live album and all that was Oh it my
0: god. Through? Yeah, that's that's, that's recorded in Austin, you know. Texas. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. At the Austin Opera House. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't even
2: know that. What a fantastic yeah. album.
0: Yes. Uh, unbelievable. I, it's like greatest hits album.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I. it was this guy who was in Houston and he knew a guy who knew Pat Travers and he'd been working with Pat before um, on some other project. And, um, he put us together. I mean, it was me. It was it was an odd situation, but it really worked. It was me and Greg T. Walker from Black mm-hmm. Right? So, and, and we were like, you know, it was the three of us, it was like power trio. So, and it was amazing. But this guy who organized it was 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 always fucking, I think we did like about two weeks, and it was all, it was all in Texas. <clears throat> I think there was one in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's near Texas, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We crossed the border. Right. So, <laughs> but this guy was always around, scratching his head, always had a scowl on his face. I said, "What's it?" He said, "Well, you know, this is a set list I gave to Pat. I wanted to play these songs. You know, he was kind of organized all the shows and everything. That and wasn't doing that. He was just playing like all these these uh, blues uh, uh, riffs and some." Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, copies of songs A grand funk song I yeah. which one So anyway But other than that It was just an absolute joy I mean Pat is amazing he, He's He's one of these guys He's a little bit like Doug Aldridge He never has a guitar Off him You know He's always got a guitar on rather, And he's always Fiddling around So he's standing there In front of me You know And he's fucking around Like this And I'm just like That's fucking cool you
0: know? Yeah <laughs> you know? it's, like, it's like the way That they speak yeah. The they talk. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They're like, yeah. 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 But it was it was great fun. I mean, playing those songs like snort and whiskey and mm. boom boom and all the rest of it, it was fantastic.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh speaking of amazing guitarists, you also did a couple albums with UFO. And um I, I want to know what it was like to work with Michael Schenker, but we were speaking earlier about Jimmy Bain And I really want to know what it was like to work with Pete Way.
2: Ah, Pete. Yeah, you know what? I did any records with them. We we started rehearsing some songs in London, and it uh, but it just it just didn't happen. The whole thing exploded or imploded. Um, It was great.
1: You didn't record any records with them.
2: No, there there is one record out just just for if people want to know. It's um so it's an album called Covenant. Right. that's a studio album, but on the other side is a live album. Okay, uh, I'm on that live album, but that, unfortunately, that's the only one that we I got to do with them. But um, yeah, I mean Pete, I mean he, he's like a sweetheart, you know. I mean he's a he's just a, a such a character, man. I mean, there's so many stories with him, and some of them I won't share. But he was he's a sweetheart. I mean. I remember one time, it's a pretty harmless story, really, but it, it kind of tells you a bit about Pete. He, he called me up. We had about three days off in London, and he called me up from his room, and he goes, Hey, Sai, do you want to come with me and come and meet my brother? And I'm like, well, I was going to go to the pub, actually, Pete. You know? And he's like, well, no, you just come with me. It's, it, it won't take long. It took us, like, four, four buses... And a tube train, he just out to get there to see his brother, you know. And then them two, were, so we meet in this pub up there where his and his brother is totally opposite to him. He's like got a suit on, a tie, you know, the whole thing. Meanwhile, Pete's got on like an old shaggy coat with paint all over it and whatever. And, uh, they just sat there, the two, just reminiscing over old days, and I'm just looking out the window, going like, "Oh, this is good."
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge Pete Way fan. I, I've just always uh, admired his playing, of course, but him as a personality, uh, much like you described Jimmy Bain earlier, one of these guys that just has a lust for life and lived it at 100 miles an hour. And uh, so yeah. it, it must have been, I, I'm sure you, it just had to be really cool to spend so much time with him in close proximity and get to know him as a person.
2: It was. It wasn't hard either. I mean, we. we it was the same with all of them. Um, you know, I got the gig. I got that... I'll tell you how I got that gig. I got it through a, another friend of a friend. But for the longest time, I was talking to Michael Schenker's uh, manager there. Her name was Bella. She's since passed away. Um, but we were back and forth, and it was going to be the Michael Schenker group. So she had me learning, like... Um, one night at Budokan with Cozy on it. She's like, Play like play the way Cozy does. I'm like, yeah, Okay, I can do that. Um, and then I didn't hear from her for the longest time. I mean, it seemed like a long time, it's about five, six weeks. And she called back and said, Well, things have changed now. It's going to be UFO. And I went, Oh, all right, uh, worth the wait, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and so you know. We met up in in Arizona, uh, in um, Phoenix, I think it was, and there's an old place up there called Electric Ballroom. We used there for about a week, Um, and Michael came in, and it it was always Michael and then the band kind of thing. You know, he had his own way of doing things and being somewhere, and um, hmm we all got along straight away. I mean, it's we're all from England, and we all got on great. You know, I've, I got to be good, good friends with Paul Raymond. God bless him. Yes. Uh, we hung out in many a steakhouse and drank the cellar dry.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Phil Mogg as well. I mean, he's a total gentleman. I mean, uh, you know, the, the real gentleman kind of. Mm. From yeah. the old days, I mean, it was just a fantastic. We all got along so well. It was a great time in UFO. Really, really enjoyed that.
1: So, your resume. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about being in UFO, and you know, obvious. The, the obvious one is ACDC, but then you know, Ronnie James Dio, UFO. Uh Pat Travers, um and, and for, for me and Jason being Rhino Bucket fans, that's that's as, just as big as all the rest I've just mentioned. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. It's pretty it's it's just it's pretty incredible um all the greatness that you've rubbed elbows with and created with and toured with and, and got to know and be part of the family for a little while. That's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. Had quite
1: I, a I know. I
2: sometimes you know you think of these bands, and you you never think you're actually going to be a part of it. I mean, I know when I was a kid, I had the the jacket on with all the patches on, and Rush on the back, and Black Sabbath, and you know, I was just like like we all are, like yeah. like oh I mean, yeah. and now in the fucking band, it's like, what the hell happened here? And you know, one thing though, <laughs> I mean, you if you do it, if you if you get it, you got to work it. I mean, it's it's not you know. I'm not complaining. It's hard work, but uh, you know, it's it's been. Uh, I feel very grateful. You know, and, uh, and I met a lot of cool people. And... Yeah,
0: Fantastic. you 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 have a humble uh, way about you, yeah. Simon. And and and, and uh, y- you could say, yeah. um, uh-huh. y- you know, you you've lived a, a charmed, you know, but it's also. Uh, ethics and work and a little bit of right place at the right time, but it all turns into um, you know you, that you don't feel deserving, and you feel that's what I mean. You're hu- it's a humble, it's a beautiful and humble thing for you because first and foremost, uh, you're a fan. Yeah, and and, and yeah. then and then you're a drummer. And then you know, and you know how to write songs, and you know how to do the work without pissing anybody off in this band that you have the ultimate respect for.
2: Yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. Yeah, basically. Uh, thanks, Jason. I mean, I, I don't know, where any other way to be. I'm like, you, you know, you fucking respect people, you know, except that guy, you know. But you know, I gotta <laughs> don't take shit from anybody, and. You know, Get on with life. I mean, it's
0: like
2: yeah. it, 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 it. The initial shock sometimes of like meeting the, the, these these all these different musicians and bands that I've been so fortunate to be involved with is. It's always that initial meeting that, that is awkward, you know, because yeah. you, you were listening to him and is you know you had his album or you had their album, and now you're actually going to meet them. I mean, it's like. It's become easier over the years, you know. I, I'm not I'm not done yet, but you know, it's like yeah. that's the, the the difficult part. And then once you've got over that, that's when the hard work starts, yeah. um, getting to know them and stuff, and the, the little foibles, and and then actually doing the gigs. You know, that's how it it, it goes. So.
1: Let, let me let me ask you. Um... A, a couple years ago, uh, maybe, I don't know, it, it might be three, four, maybe five years ago now, ACDC is having trouble with Phil Rudd and he's in a bunch of legal trouble over in New Zealand and it looks like he's going to prison and all this mess. Was there ever a time when ACDC called you and, and, and no. thought about having you come back? No. No,
2: no we've been a, we've been a, We hadn't been in any kind of involvement for for a long time after, you know, I I finished up and I went on and I did all this other stuff and everything and stuff. And, you know, I mean, I I went back to, I was convinced to go back to see this this show on a black ice tour they did by uh, Cosmo Wilson, who's their uh, lighting guy. So... And Cosmo was Ronnie's lightning guy for a long time, and many others. He's fantastic and a lovely person. But uh, he convinced me to go back. Um, I saw the show, and then he said, come up back and see." just come and say hello to them. I'm like, it's all right. No, I'm good, you know. Wow. He said, no, you coming. So he dragged me back. Okay. I was chatting with Malcolm and Angus and, and all, and all of them, Cliff and Brian. And um, it was good, you know, because... It, it, wasn't any kind of animosity going on there it just been a long time yeah uh, so that was the last time i saw them and i saw what was going on with phil Rudd. i mean i was amazed i'm like he did what yeah (laughs) really (laughs) (laughs) wow good shit he's on the fuck yeah you know um i wasn't expecting a call i wasn't looking for you know waiting on a call or anything because Chris Slade was around and stuff, and he'd been the drummer after me. And sure, um, I don't know. I, yeah, no, I wasn't. I was watching what was going on. Believe me, I in amazement. But you know, um, no, I wasn't waiting for a call. Yeah. So they knew how to get a hold of me, but they didn't call me. But that's absolutely fine.
1: So. Um, just so we're clear, why, why did your time in ACDC end? What, what was the.
2: Well, it it was just, I mean, I'd been in the band about seven and a half years and all, and it was basically about the drumming and it's nothing to knock the music or anything. I just needed to do more with my drumming. And uh, I was becoming a little bit complacent and that they could kind of see this too. And it, it just wasn't getting, ending up being fair on anybody. Right. So, okay. you know, although one of the shows that every show I did with them, I played 110%, you know. Right. Uh, I knew I had to do that, you know. So it was just, I just had to move on and do something else. It was, um, you know, I got in that band young and it seemed like I'd been in the band a long time, you know. So I really had to just. Get my head together and move on you know so
1: yeah yeah um i i wanted to ask uh one more question on 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 my end i wanted to ask you about uh working with jeff tate and actually what i really want to ask is what it was like working with our friend john moyer who is a fellow texan and a, and a friend of mine and jason
2: yeah. well it was great working with both of them jeff is a you know jeff is a, a real gentleman um, you know, it's it's very easygoing. Um When we first started up, we, we had to learn uh, the whole of Operation Mindcrime So we're we're all looking at each other, going, "Well, what was that bit again?" a
0: <laughs> minute,
2: you know. Um, I mean, it's another one that you know, just tap away and think you've got it. You know, tapping away with your fingers and then you go to sit in the rehearsal place and try and play it. It's like you know, <laughs> quite a lot, of, you know, progressive stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, but that was really, uh, you know, it was really gratifying when we actually started to really bond and make sense. It was me and Rudy Sarzo, his brother Robert, Kelly Gray, Randy Gain, and uh, and Jeff, obviously. And uh, it was this real small rehearsal room with one light bulb above it in the room, you know, and we we're all jammed in there. It was, Crazy times, but we got it done, and we uh, went out with that for about three and a half years. So, wow. that, that was that was some good times, yeah.
1: So, good. did did uh, did John Moyer join the band at some point? He, he did. He came in and helped out because
2: some some of the shows Rudy couldn't make for one reason or or another. He had other commitments or something. But yeah, John would come in, and uh, ultimate professional, great bass player, great guy. I mean, what can you say about John?
0: He's yep. a world. We <laughs> love John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good guy. Yeah. He's a great. Yeah,
2: but it was a good time with Jeff. He, he he gave us a a little room too, you know, to move with the songs a little bit there.
0: Wow, like that's. That. I don't. I, I don't mean to sound so surprised, but with a band with well with Queensryche material, I'll just say, um, it it seems like it's a, a tight ship you know well parts, you know
2: when i say that it, there wasn't a lot a lot of room but there were certain things the way that scott rockenfield would play and he don't get me wrong he's in the, a brilliant drummer i mean some of the stuff he's come up with amazing but i play a slightly different way i'm more and it's only just odd little bits, and he wouldn't mind if I just changed them up. And I changed right. them up a little bit so I wouldn't mess with the song. I yeah. See. yeah. 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 It was a great time. Should have seen it. There's some good times.
0: Well, from, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off what Dave said and then what we were talking about, you know, from Four on the Floor to Mind Crime.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It yeah. Uh,
0: really says a lot about. Uh, style and um, ability, ability, and uh, how good you are with math. <laughs> well,
2: I, I, I think the, the I I always felt that I had a good I had good meter. I mean, I don't I, I didn't analyze the shit out of it. I just I just play, and I, it seemed like I have a good meter. So, it's like that. The DC stuff was kind of like the, the, the laying the foundation, and then. By the time the whole clock goes around and you end up with mine crime, it's like, oh, okay, well you know hey, at least it's in time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well that's that's saying something.
2: Yeah, I suppose it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know,
0: Dave. <laughs> well, um let me ask you this. Uh we um we asked some 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 of our friends and, and um Pretty much randomly, anyone. But we're asking you today: what What was it that got you into drums, and just basically or, or originally, what got you into wanting to 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 you know? Uh, what did you uh, hear? What 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 record did you hear? What band did you see that made you go, "I want to do that"? Or what was the first record you bought, and how did you get into rock and roll? Basically,
2: well, the first record LP that I bought was Jailbreaks in Lizzie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was only because I'd seen, you know, there was a, a British TV program a long time ago called Top of the Pops. Yes. And it's a bit like American Bandstand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, although I think American Bandstand, the bands played live on Top of the Pops, they didn't. But, but whatever. Anyway, that was where I first started seeing um, drummers and bands and stuff and all. And it was your, you know, for the longest time, there, were no, there was no, like, um, heavy rock or heavy metal on top of the pops. But then so, so, uh, some bands started breaking through, like UFO and Lizzie and Priest, and they were on. Um, and I'd see that, and I'd go, like, oh, that looks, that looks pretty cool. And I'd always kind of focus in on it for some reason. And I'd always be tapping away at home. I was, like, six or seven years old. And I don't know. I mean, my dad used to play in the uh, the the Boy Scouts. He had, but he was just on a snare drum, you know. And he he really didn't follow on after he left them uh, when he when he became a man, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, it just sort of clicked with me, and I thought that drumming stuff looks pretty interesting. I wouldn't mind having to go at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian Brian Downey is pretty unbelievable. I think he's so
1: underrated. So underrated. He is, man. He is, and I mean. Amazing drummer.
2: When you, when you listen to the, some of those shuffles he does, they're very cool. Yeah, yeah. And even the early days, you know. I mean, you've got you've got your Black Rose and stuff, which is amazing. But you know, you've got Johnny the Fox. Some of the playing on there, so underrated. He's a brilliant drummer. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I've never never met the man. I'd, I wouldn't mind. Meeting up with him and having a chat with him at some point.
0: <laughs> you guys should try to hook up and have a pint and uh, get some cameras rolling and. and you think just, so? just start yeah. a show, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, have a pint with Bry and Cy si tonight well, yeah, at eleven. There you go, Brian yeah. and si. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. I'll I'll produce the show. <laughs>
2: This just happened. This is amazing. This is gonna work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let uh, right the Yeah, it's um, it's been incredible talking to you today, and I just want to thank you very, oh, very, very much for for being on our podcast today. Sure,
1: man. No problem. You, you were the first drummer I saw with ACDC, my very first ACDC concert. So this is very special for me to have you on the podcast today and, and your career that we've, you know, been talking about for the past hour. So just incredible. So uh, thank you for uh, all the music. It, it was nice spending some time with you. I feel like I got to know you a little bit and you're, you're a really cool dude. So <laughs> thank yeah. you for that. Thanks Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, I will uh, go ahead and sign off. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster and our very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, thank you so much, Mr. Simon Wright.